Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today on a Wednesday. We never get to talk on Wednesdays. But as this month continues with our Any Summer 2020 on Mondays and Thursdays, we have a special drop-in every week for you as well. And today is special on a lot of levels. For starters, it's the birthday of my book, Let's All Be Brave. She is turning six years old today. My book, Let's All Be Brave, is a first grader. But if you've not read that one yet, make sure you grab a copy. You can get it at shopanniefdowns.com or any of your favorite book retailers. And speaking of books, today on the show is a new friend. Y'all, this happens sometimes, and I think it is so funny when it happens. Someone that I have not met yet that is friends with all my friends, I will start getting text messages and phone calls and DMs of my real-life friends going, hey, you're friends with Paula Ferris, right? Hey, you know Paula, right? Are you and Paula going to talk about Called Out? Is Paula coming on your podcast? Do you know Paula? Paula was the theme of my spring. So many people were telling me how awesome she is, and our schedules finally aligned. And spoiler alert, they were right. She's awesome. I am so glad to call her friend now. So here is my conversation with my friend and author of the new book Called Out, Paula Ferris. What is your Enneagram, by the way? Or do we want to talk about that? Oh, girl, we are going to talk about it. I'll tell you. I just hit record. I'll tell you what I am. I'm a seven. What are you? Oh, my gosh. You're my husband. I'm married to a seven. Are you? Um, Yes. I'm an eight, but I have a lot of three tendencies. Yes. I like like to say, Annie, that if I have four tires on my car, if I'm driving a four-wheeler, two of them are eights, two of my tires are eights, (laughs) and I've got a three, and then my spare tire is a one. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Because I, I truly feel like I've always been eight, but probably 20 years of my life, I, it manifests as a three, probably because I wasn't confident enough to walk into who God made me. Yeah. Um, and I think that just comes with time. Yes. It comes with time and maturity, making mistakes, you know, learning from those, but just with confidence, the old lesson, the older we get, we're like, whatever. So I found this emboldening and in my forties, I think I've started to just come into myself and who I was really, who got really wired me to be. Yeah. Okay. So my first question is I am freshly 40 by a week. So thank you. Tell me what I need to know going into my forties that I don't know from my thirties yet. Okay. Do you want the positives or do you want the negatives? I want both. Tell me the truth. I'm a seven. You got to tell me the truth, but make it fun first. Okay. I'll make it fun first. So the, your forties, um, listen, I mean, like you can, you can still move. You're agile. Like you're, you're kind of hitting your prime in many regards, your prime, uh, like for me mentally, my prime emotionally, like, I don't care what people think as much anymore. I'm not driven Mm. by that. You're, You're empowered and you're emboldened and you're, you know who you are and you know who you're not and you, you don't need to please people anymore. Uh, um, I found the forties has been like an awakening for me on really? the flip side. Yeah. On the flip side, my metabolism has pretty much shut down. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, like th- things are, are starting to like move around and shift. So I, I think that, you know, and I, I'm not sure if it's going to get any better, but, it's, but coupled with the newfound confidence I have in my forties, I'm also like, 
eh, it doesn't matter that much anymore. Yeah. Whereas if we're in our 20s and 30s, we may like probably obsessed about all these things. But now we're we're comfortable in our own skin when we're in our 40s. Yes, yeah, and so, we can still enjoy our skin because yes. we're in our 40s. That's what I was going to ask you is how have you managed to love your body and love yourself well, even though you feel these changes in a new way? I think just grace, you know, grace, mm. extending grace. Um, we're so you know, depending on the type of person you are, I know I'm much harder on myself than I am on other people. And it seems like I extend grace to other people that I don't extend to myself. And I'm constantly telling myself, hey, give yourself grace. Mm. Grace that was so, you know, freely and undeservedly given to all of us. I need to accept that. So I need to accept the grace. And also like the woman, the type of woman, you know, the American woman that we've we've hoisted on this pedestal, that's just not reality. Right. It's just not, it's just not realistic. I don't want to be that. I my philosophy is something's gonna kill me and if it's bacon, God love it. You know? <laughs> I, I am I am going to I am going to live my life, Fanny. I am going to live that's my right. life. That's right. There just has so. to be one of I've made myself a couple of promises going into this new decade and one of them is just like appreciating what is right in front of me and that includes my body you know like yes. like yes. versus I feel like I spent so much of my 20s and 30s wanting to change mm-hmm. and change this and change that and do this different do that and 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 I do think growth is important I'm not anti growth I'm very pro growth <laughs> but I'm yeah. just anti self punishment Yes, the so, self-loathe, the yeah. self-loathe, or, or the constant comparison. Like, yes. that's just a trap. Don't, don't. I mean, you just need to embrace who you are and where you are in your journey and love yourself. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that we're not anti-growth. We don't want to be the best version. Uh-huh. But the best version doesn't, doesn't look like the same thing for every single person. The best version isn't aesthetic. The best version is, am I the best version internally? Am right. I the best version you know, spiritually and mentally? emotionally, not just physically. So, you know, you have to really like factor all of that into the decision. Annie, I have three children, but I have four kids at my house. And I told them all I was doing this podcast (laughs) to not interrupt. And what are we four minutes in? And I already have an interruption. I love it. Yes. Yes. JJ, JJ. Okay. This is, this is the important question. I told the kids they could play Fortnite for an hour (laughs) while I'm doing this. You can play at 12. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, that was life. That was life or death, right there. Yeah, I that mean, was that right. Was, and yeah, that that had to be done right then. So. I mean, has that been your whole spring, though? I mean, has that just been everything we try to do? I mean, because everything's from home. Oh gosh. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Like one time, I was doing um, actually a video interview, and my son had come up, and he was like soaking wet, and he felt the need to tell me during the interview that he was soaking wet. He got sprayed by his brother from, with a hose. Yeah. Like, inter- and I, I'm like, honey, like there, there, there's like DEFCON, um, like emergencies. And then there's this and this does, you don't. Yeah. But I, I think we're all in this together. We're all yes. like where we have, you know, the delivery guy is calling is knocking on our door or we have the dog barking or the kids and this is it. This is life. And I just, once again, let's just give everybody grace in this situation. Yes. So including my 10 year old who just wanted to play. That's Fortnite right. Who just needs to know. I respect he it. Needs to know. And your new book called out. I mean, you've been doing mm-hmm. interviews this entire quarantine pandemic time. Oh yeah. It's been business on the top party on the bottom. Yeah. I've been doing interviews <laughs> with a nice top and like and sweatpants on the bottom. So in some regards, see, you know, we can still be effective and efficient. Yes. And we can still get it done uh, from the comforts of our own home. 
Anna, you've, you've written several books. This is my debut. This is like yeah. my, my only child right now. Yeah. The literary process, just birthing a book is one thing. And then putting it out there, it's like, it's like carrying this prized child that you had maybe, let's say you had a troubled pregnancy with, yeah. and you feel, you feel, um, very attached to this to this child because of everything you went through and then you deliver the baby and then you just have to hand it over to strangers and you're not sure if they're going to love the baby you're not sure if they're going to accept the baby or welcome the baby you know they're not going to love it how you love it so it's I don't know how you guys do this over and over I don't think I would have the bandwidth or the emotional (laughs) capacity for it oh well yeah for sure you don't right now because your book's been out for two months and it came out in the smack middle of a pandemic yeah but in a a year and a half when you realize how much we've all needed called out and how much we needed this book you'll have your next one it'll happen again it'll happen again and I I do think like you can tell uh, when people write books just to write books and then yeah. you can tell when authors feel like like God gave them something to yeah. say they have a message and that for me I never wanted to write a book I had so many friends say don't do it it's the worst process ever yeah. but after going through what I went through a couple of years ago I really felt God saying I want you to share this message and so that's why I wrote it to because a I felt like God asked me to, to write this book and yeah. B I want to I want other people to see themselves in those pages and to kind of release them from so many of the lies that we've been told. Um, yeah. And I, I just think so many of our friends listening have got to be in a similar spot because the thing about books that's maybe bad is, is we read and maybe people can sit down and read called out in three days or they read it in one day because they can't put it down or they read a chapter a day and it takes them a couple of weeks. Either mm-hmm. way, they read in a short amount of time what it took you years to live. And right, they go, well, right. look, Paula, it all worked out for Paula. But I'd have to imagine, <laughs> will you back us up to the day, like yeah. the day you decided to walk away from the view or like yeah. before anybody knew what was going mm-hmm. or maybe from Good Morning America, like what was the inside of you like before you actually told anybody and made the decision? Because there's mm-hmm. got to be some of our friends who are right there and are afraid they'll never get to the to the other side. I know exactly what that feels like to, for me, I was at this professional high. And I think so many of us in this moment are feeling like, okay, I worked and worked and worked for this, but at what cost, what good mm. is it for a man to, to gain the world, but to lose his soul. And Girl. Annie, I was at a professional high, but just a personal low. So professional high anchoring good morning America weekend edition. I've been doing that for years and co-hosting the view, but I looked around and I was like, at what cost I, everything was suffering my relationship with my children my relationship with my husband the the things that i had professed to be of value to me going to church wasn't going to church because i just didn't have time with my schedule um my health started suffering so i knew something was off like you know when something is off when when the person that you profess to be and these values are clashing with the decisions that you're making both professionally and personally. So you can sense in your spirit. So you started kind of sniffing that out first. You were like, okay, something feels off here. Something feels very off to me. I always say like God can put the, the spirit can speak to you through a piece. If there, if you have a peace in your spirit, you should proceed. If you don't and you have an unease, then stop. Mm. I knew God put it on my, in my heart. I knew in my, my gut, I needed to make a change. I refused to though because I was so scared. And this is where fear can paralyze us. Fear manifests itself 
in all kinds of decisions and all kinds of moments, but especially when, when we're trying to make a significant change in our life. Mm. Fear tells us that, oh, you'd be crazy to walk away or you, you don't have what it takes. For me, I was scared of what people would think. Why would she walk away at the height of her career? She probably couldn't hack it. She yeah. probably isn't good enough. There, there must have been something that happened. Mm. Um, so my fear- And you just have to deal me. with all that. And, and yeah, you have yeah. to deal with that. And honestly, I wouldn't have had the courage to walk away on my own. Some people have the courage and, and, and the wisdom to look around and say, okay, again, my professional or my personal life isn't, is this, it's not worth the cost. Okay. I need yeah. to make a decision or my health is off or I'm not going to church. These things are, I, I'm not the person that I know I want to be for me. That wasn't enough. Okay. I feel like God allowed a personal crisis. And I think God's allowing this pandemic, this global crisis yeah. to give us this reset button where tragedy and opportunity can coexist, where we have been gifted the the opportunity to reassess to reevaluate and if we want to we can press that reset for me annie i write about it in the book it was the season of hell that that i endured and within seven months like it, it was unmistakable unequivocal god trying to slow me down and get yeah. my attention i had a miscarriage with an emergency surgery mm. i had a concussion at work i was getting ready to go live at good morning america for Good Morning America, and someone threw an object at my head. I had a concussion, and I couldn't work for three weeks. Then the day I got cleared to go back to work, I get in a head-on car crash, and oh, then I get my influenza, gosh. influenza, which turned into pneumonia. And I was like, "All right, God, got it." So sometimes, like we have the wisdom and discernment to walk away and to make a change, and other times, God truly has to slow us down. Yeah, God has to get our attention, and I think in this moment, He's gotten a lot of our attention. Yeah. Um. So, and I think that's where when this moment happens, realize that I have a piece that God wants me to make a change and I can still be scared about it. Your fear is not necessarily your intuition. Your intuition is the piece from, from the spirit that you get or the unease. If you have a piece about something, proceed. If you don't have a piece, don't do it. But if you mm -hmm. have a piece about it, then you should expect and you should anticipate fear to come. Fear is not from God. The devil tries to slow us down. The devil yeah. tries to slow us in our tracks, okay? So expect and anticipate fear to be present and know that it's up to us. It's up to you to press into that. Have I not commanded you, Joshua 1.9 says, to be strong and to be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God's with you. Mm -hmm. God acknowledges fear is going to manifest itself, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But God also promises that he's going to be there. But he also says, have I not commanded you? He, it's on us. It's on us to take that step, to step into that unknown space, to press into it, even though we can't see the rest of the staircase when we when we step out in faith and step onto that st onto that first step. So expect and anticipate fear, but don't proceed if you don't have a peace from the spirit. Yeah. Okay? Gosh, that's so. good. You said um, that tragedy and opportunity coexist, mm -hmm. and I think right now we all thought coronavirus would be gone. <laughs> and we all thought, man, that spring was hard. And now, but at least we'll be back to, you know, back to normal when things warm up yeah. and it goes away and it hasn't. How do you see, I mean, you live in New York. Am I correct about that? Yeah, we do live in New York, but we've been in South Carolina for oh, well a couple done. of months. Yes. So actually we're not very far apart. I could probably drive up and see Well, you. come on, girl. Let's go. Let's meet in the middle. <laughs> um, tell me how that still plays out. Because you saw it in your life. I had a similar experience yeah. where I 
last fall, I was off the road from speaking and it was, a, the Lord taught me a lot. I had no idea we were about to take a year yep. off the road from speaking, right? Yep. yep. And so yep. it was the same where I got this preparation season before this thing we're in. And I bet we all did in one way or another, but how do you see tragedy and opportunity still coexisting? Will you give us some hope about oh, coronavirus absolutely. still being here? No, I think, I think the tragedy and opportunity that can coexist right now we're all experiencing loss on a, on a on a level, some more visceral, yeah. some more personal, some more significant than others, whether we've lost our jobs, uh, whether we've been furloughed, we've lost benefits, we've lost status, uh, we've lost our homes, but maybe we've lost loved ones. Yeah. But the opportunity that can that can coexist, they're not mutually exclusive. Tragedy and opportunity can and do play into one another and can exist with one another. Look at the the this gift of a reset that we have been given mm. a chance to look at our landscape and say, wow, that really hurt when I lost my job or that really hurt when my bank account took a hit that really hurt when I lost a loved one. Yeah. Okay. But if it's shaking you to your core, maybe I've misplaced my significance, losing my job or losing, losing some of my savings, losing my status on Instagram or some of my followers or Delta. <laughs> yeah. Or Delta. Exactly. That shouldn't rock who I am. Should right. That shouldn't, that shouldn't affect my purpose on this earth. If that has rocked you to your core and you don't really know who you are outside of these things that maybe mm. you've misplaced your significance in, guess what? You've been given a, this beautiful, reset button that you could reassess and you could push that if you want. This is a moment where we're all being emboldened um, and empowered to try new things because we're reassessing our priorities. We're reassessing what's important in our life. Okay. Yeah. So just if you feel the need to press that reset, guess what? Go ahead. If you feel God leading you in a different direction, expect that fear to manifest itself. God's got you, but you've got to take that first step, hit that reset button if you feel like that's where God is leading you. But it's a moment to reflect. It's yeah. a moment to be still. It's a moment where we are all in this together, Annie. Can you think of another time in history, not even in world wars, have we all been affected? It's right. also a time for unity. Mm -hmm. This is something that is indiscriminate. It is affecting young, old, global. Everybody in the world has been affected on some yep. level from the coronavirus. This is also a moment of unity where where it's something that a commonality that can bring us together. So I think so much of it is a paradigm shift. Okay. Instead of looking at the tragedy, look at the opportunity yeah. that's coming out of it. You're going to be a better person on the other side of it because you have perspective. You're going to be a better person because you, you realize this is not who I want to be. I want it. Maybe this is the nudge from God that I want, I, I need to try something new, but I'm too scared. Mm, Guess what? Mm. There's that reset, a reset for your life, a reset for your mind. Yes. I heard a pastor say last week, I didn't know the whole world could talk about the same thing. And yes. he said, I just, I, I had no idea there would ever come a time when the whole world was talking about the exact same thing. And it gives me yep. hope of, for revival. Isn't that great? Isn't See, that there you go. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And what God, what, what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. Yeah. There's no situation where God can't redeem. Yeah. There is no situation where God can't read as hurt as, as difficult as it may be. There's no situation. The interesting thing about even when you're following God and you leave one season for the next season, you are mm -hmm. going to miss things from the old season. I mean, like oh, I yeah. used to teach elementary school and there are things I really miss about it, even though I know where I'm right, where I'm supposed to be. What do you miss yeah. about the old season? And what do you feel when you think back on GMA and the view and that yeah. kind of yeah. former life? 
I miss being the it girl. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. That's so so honest. What I did was, was, was ego driven. I miss being the it girl, like the next, the, the up and comer, the, you know, um, I was on the fast track and I miss that. Um, but work for me and my vocation had become my, my narcotic of choice. It yeah. was where I got my value work. It was where I got my worth. And I thought mistakenly that, oh, God placed this calling on my life and I mistook it for just career. Like, wow. why do we, especially in faith circles, say, find your calling and it's always career related. And then guess what, Annie, the moment your career or your vocation shifts, even in a small capacity, if that's your purpose, you're, you don't know who you are outside of it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, in a moment of honesty, I been, I miss being that girl. I miss the high of it. Yeah. Um, but an addict always misses the bottle. Oh, you know, I would be lying. Say that. I yep. miss it. So I, I miss it, but that doesn't mean that that's right for me anymore. Yes. Man, the idea of equating like your career, your calling doesn't have to be your career. Your career can be mm-hmm. an addiction. Absolutely, because it's the thing that you, you know, I mistakenly thought that I was born to be this broadcaster, that this, these are the unique gifts and talents that God gave me. And so it became about God created me to be the best broadcaster that Mm. I could be. That was my purpose. And when that shifted, I was like, well, well, who am I anymore? I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this title anymore. And granted, it was my own choice. Okay. But I wrestled with that. I had to find out who I was outside of what I did. Okay. So I now know who I am outside of what I do and a personal crisis, a pandemic is not going to shake who I am. Cause I know that I say, here's my purpose statement. For instance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I am a wife. I'm a mom. I love Jesus. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions. Yes. All of our mutual friends say how curious you are. I love I'm that. I'm very curious. But see, the curiosity, you know, I say the way that you can really uncover, and I write about it in the book, the way you can really uncover the unique talents and maybe the vocational lane that you should be in is ask yourself three questions and you have to check every box, Annie. What are you good at? What do you love? And what a trusted people notice that you're good at and you love. Oh, and wow. along the like my name growing up was Paula 20 questions, like so <laughs> annoying. Could you imagine me as like a five-year-old child? Just shut I love it. Up. No. So what are you good at? What do you love? And what a trusted people notice you're good at and you love. You peel that back and it's like, okay, I'm not just good at being a broadcaster. I, I'm curious. I ask lots of questions. I'm an effective communicator. I love to challenge and champion people. That has made me a good broadcaster. But for so long, I thought that I was just going to be this one thing forever and ever. Now that I peel back those layers, A, I know my worth isn't in doing. It's yeah. not in work. Yeah. But B, I now know these are the unique talents and gifts God gave me. And you have unique talents and gifts God gave you. And God can use those in so many different capacities, not just broadcasting. Heck, curiosity and question asking and being perspective. God can use that on so many different vocational branches. So releasing ourselves as well from this lie that we're this one thing forever and ever and ever. Like God can call you to things vocationally for a season or two. Yeah. I feel like God calling me to slow down and be with my kids and be a st- and and not a stay at home mom. That's just that whole phrase is just so inaccurate. You're not staying at home yeah, that's when you right. watch your children. But I feel like God's calling me to a season where I where I'm very present with my kids. In another moment of honesty, I have three children ages 12 and under, and wow. I have had nannies and au pairs since yes. my kids. And I feel that God's saying, I need to learn how to be a mom outside of that safety net. Being a mom is, for me, the greatest vocational and 
vocational calling. It's the toughest, most rewarding vocational call on your life. But also, you know, I, I think I bought that lie from society that, oh, if I mm. want to stay home and off ramp for a bit, I can't get back in. Yeah. It's such a lie, too. Yeah. So don't believe those lies. But yeah, ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you love? What do trusted people notice you're good at and you love? Put that into your purpose statement. Don't, in, away from the actual vocation, I am, I am so-and-so, you know, so I say I'm Paula Ferris. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I love Jesus. I am curious. I ask questions and I champion and challenge people. That's never going to change. You notice yeah. this pandemic didn't change that. Okay. Yeah. A personal crisis is not going to change that. But if my hope and my purpose is in doing is in, I'm a broadcaster. Guess what? The moment that that inevitable shift happens in my vocation or whatever I put my significance in, I'm not going to know who I am outside of it. So find yourself a purpose statement, who you are outside of what you do based mm. upon what's not going to shift and shake. And also as, asking yourself those three questions. Do you actually write that at, down? Yeah. What my purpose statement? Yeah, I, I do. And it's, it's funny because like since the, the book was like w was done last June and I feel like I need to write seven more chapters because of how I've grown and the way that like, the message and, and what God is doing in my own heart and the I just want to speak life into people and I want to I want to release them from these lies they've been told, you know, help them find their unshakable purpose and know their worth outside of doing and then kind of help them find this book, these vocational lanes. I have written it down now yeah. um, and I've actually tweaked some of my on social media, not to bring it back to social, but no, do. I try to tweak my bio a little bit so that it is more of like, okay, what's not going to change about me? Yeah. Do you feel so. like you have to walk away from your public life, your TV life forever when you felt like God moved, moved you into this new season? Or does it feel I like would, you can go, I'll put it back on the shelf and I could go to it again? You know what? I think God had to show me that I had had it all wrong, that my value and worth were coming from a job. And that when I walked away from that, I had no idea who I was outside of it. God had to show mm. that to me that my that my identity was in the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, I you know what? I feel like God has released me from that lie that value is vocation. And now because of the things that I've learned, I had now have been given permission. It's as if he's given per me permission to say, I gave you unique talents and gifts. And Annie, I've given you unique talents and gifts. And mm -hmm. for those listening, I've given you unique talents and gifts. And I can call you to anything at any moment and I can equip you, okay? But we've, we've backed ourselves into a corner. We're so afraid to branch out and try new things. We think of ourselves, I'm I'm this for the rest of my life. I don't know, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what else I could do. Yeah. Um, but God has released me and given from from those lies and given me permission to branch out and try new things. Okay, take some risks, accept that fears can be part of it. But when God's yeah. in it, when God gives you a piece about something, you don't have to know the next chapter. You're not going to know the next chapter. That's not faith. But just trust Ugh. that when you step out, when you have that piece, God's going to meet you there on the other side of it and in it. And he promises, but he also commands us to take that first step. Yeah. Have I not commanded you to be strong and That's courageous? Right. Don't be afraid. Don't be. And you just keep reciting that over and over and over from Joshua 1.9. And you're like, okay, God, if you're in it, you know, in the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Yeah. In the same way God was with Moses, he's going to be with you. When God calls you to something vocationally, he will equip you. I think one of the lies that, that even Christian culture has fed us, which I'm not one to like beat down on Christian culture, but has said like, you need to figure out what you're going to do with your life. 
And people say, yes. what am I supposed to do with my life? And I'm like, yep. oh my gosh, I, you can't answer that for your whole life. You can only go. There's yeah. so many things you're supposed to do with your life. Yeah. And, and the lie from that, Annie, it's telling us explicitly and implicitly that our only value lies in what we do. Yeah. That, that, like, we so were good. created to do this one thing. And guess what? That lie trickles down to our kids. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And we're telling our kids that that's the only thing that they can bring to the table. And then society says, you know, what's your name and what do you do for a living? So we're getting all of these messages, not just from society, but they're reinforced from the church, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And I think we need to call out the church and, and just say, since when is our purpose on this earth? anything other than loving God and loving people. Jesus said in John 12, 27, you know, I have come to fulfill my purpose to offer myself a living sacrifice. Yeah. That was his purpose. And and somehow along the way we thought, Oh, my purpose is to be a teacher. My purpose is to be a nurse. No, our purpose is to love God and love people. That is it. Yeah. Okay. And God can move you in different vocational calls. Okay. He can call you different seasons to different vocations but he's always going to use those talents and gifts that you have yeah okay in on those different vocational branches but it's always got to stay connected but yeah i mean that's that drives me nuts about (laughs) about the christian culture i'm like how many times can we keep throwing this word calling around so flippantly and Mm -hmm. it's such an like there's no context to it it's very ambiguous no one can articulate what it actually means and if they do it's always career related like that's just it's so jacked up and it's so wrong oh I so let's start contextualizing it so we can start our own little movement on this. That's right. Okay? I mean, you've done it by uh-huh. writing called out. You've done it. I mean, it is it is exactly that. I am loving hearing you as you're talking to us. You're like scriptures just live in you. I mean, like verses oh. just live in you. Will you kind of tell me? I just don't know this because this is our first time being friends, though we share yeah. 1,000 friends. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but there's a rule to the podcast. The only guests I'll have are people I'm already friends with or people that I want <laughs> to be friends with. And so okay. you're stuck I'm with so me now. You're st- I, well, no, I, well, I feel like you're stuck with me now. So. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes. So back up and tell me a little bit of your faith story. How does this live in you so much? Well, my own personal faith story, a total Christian mutt, um, grew up, I was raised Catholic until junior high, and then we started going to the Lutheran church, and then I went to a Baptist high school, and then a oh, Bible wow. college. Oh my I went to a Bible, <laughs> Bible college where I met and married my college sweetheart. Okay. But the common denominator throughout all of this, Annie, is my parents um, were part of this Christian community called Morning Star Christian Community. Now, now Wait, in young. South Carolina? No, no, no. In Michigan, where I grew up. Okay. okay. I was about to be like, girl, I, I, I do know that I morning star. I, I literally have no ties to South Carolina because I'm born and raised in Michigan. My yeah. husband's born and raised in Indiana, but my sister moved down here okay. about seven years ago. And we love it. So we're, we're here. Um, but my parents started going to morning star Christian community and it was born out of the Catholic charismatic revival of the sixties and seventies. Wow. So so we would go to, everyone would go to um, their respective church in the morning, whether they were Catholic or Lutheran or Episcopalian or Baptist, what have you, Methodist. Um, and then we would meet at the YMCA in Jackson, Michigan, oh, wow. Maurice Star Christian Community. It was very Pentecostal. Yeah. Right? So girl, I have literally seated. Done I mean, it all. I go to a non-denominational church. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's like the type of home that I grew up in. And I would say it was very strict, like. It, you know, my parents were trying to find their, I couldn't trick or treat on Halloween. It was yeah. one of those, you know, like yeah. skirts to the knee. 
but I feel like I didn't really, I, I, I've always been a professing Christian, but really I can't imagine my life without, without Jesus. Like, yeah. I mean, the, my faith has held my marriage together when there was nothing worth fighting for. Mm. I mean, we've been married 20 years. It has, you know, gotten me through the ups and downs of life. Like I cling, if I didn't have Jesus, I would be a wreck. I, I, especially everything that our family's gone through. Like, yeah. I can't imagine I, I would have no hope, no hope. <laughs> Jesus is my hope. Like he's yep. my everything. I can't imagine not having this faith. And so I want to always be able to explain and have a reason for the hope that's within me. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, you know, when God allows, I feel like I've learned more from my failures and my flaws. And there have been many of them and my mistakes than I have with my successes. And I just, and I have seen God redeem the unredeemable, my marriage. I have seen um, what God has done in some of the darkest moments, um, redeem those situations. And, and it's just, I don't know. It's what I, it's, it's what I cling to. It is totally what I cling to. And I can't imagine not having Jesus in my life. I can't. Why does it matter to you to have scriptures, not just in the Bible, but memorized to you? How does, why is that important? I think it's just personal affirmations. Mm. It's personal meditations. Yeah. Um, like I have been waking up the last couple of days really anxious. And yeah. so having verses that can encourage your spirit and discourage whatever else is going on with spiritual warfare, yeah. you know, come to me, all you who are weary you know, and I will give you rest. You know, that one has been coming to me, but also the one that I learned when I was a kid, don't be anxious about anything, but in Mm. everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Like I have had to recite because I've been very anxious about things and it wakes me up in the middle of the night. So just being able to, it's like a personal mantra. It's a personal affirmation, but it's also like kind of telling the devil what he can do. That's right. You you can just kiss, you can just kiss my big, that so that's what it is. That's right. I mean, it's interesting to me because the world has really, the world really believes in mantras. People believe in the power of self-talk and mm-hmm. the advantage that people of faith have is we don't just self-talk ourselves with what we think is true. We can actually use what is true to be what we say to ourselves when we are anxious. So do you have a couple, I mean, I'll share these uh, today when the show comes out, but do you have a couple of verses that stand out to you? I mean, you said a couple, but what's your, is your go-to that the do not be anxious? Um, That's been my go-to since I was young. Don't be anxious about anything. But I think I really didn't understand what it meant. Oh wow! And I really didn't start to implement it into my life. Like, okay, don't be anxious about, no, don't be anxious. But it, everything with prayer and petition present your request i need to release this to god yeah i need to give my anxiety to god and guess what he will give me peace Mm. the the other verse that i mentioned is joshua 1 9 i mean and that had that's really the one when i am fearful about a situation when i was scared to even get into broadcasting 20 years ago and then when i was scared to pump the brakes at the height of my career two years ago right um you know fear fear can paralyze you um along the way that verse has gotten me through so many moments have i not commanded you annie don't be afraid don't Mm -hmm. be discouraged 
be strong, be courageous for the Lord your God's with you everywhere you go. And also in the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Yeah. When God asks you to do something, God will equip you. You don't always know how, okay? But it is up to us to take that step of faith. Those two verses have been pillars in my yeah. life. So for our friends, maybe there, my bet is there are some friends who are pretty new to reading the Bible. And I love that. I think that's really fun. What is the, great. what, where would you tell someone to start? Philippians, okay. Galatians, Philippians. Philippians, Colossians. Um, don't start in Leviticus. Okay. Um, right. I'm don't start in numbers. Right yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the alpha course I know has transformed so many people. And, and here's the thing. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know how to read the Bible. I still right. feel like if I don't have some structure with a Bible study, it's it's sometimes difficult. Oh, a hundred percent. Me too. I have to be, but, I have to have a plan every time I sit down to read. Exactly. But you know what I just started doing? Um, my pastor in at Hillsong, Connecticut, Desiree Robertson, she's been doing yeah. soap. And I think it's scripture, observation, application, prayer. Yeah. And so it's a great way to just go through the Bible and really meditate on it. And so every day I started in Matthew, every day you read a chapter and it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And you, you journal it. So you're, you're writing down your observations. How can I apply this? And then prayers. And you're also memorizing some of these yeah. scriptures. So it's becoming not just what it's becoming more who you are and it's, it's ingraining itself in your heart and your soul and your mind. That's always, that's something that's really great that I've, that, that I've tried to do. And it just gives me some structure. If I don't have any guardrail sister, I'm like oh. careening off the highway. Same. So soap gives me some, some guardrails. Yeah. Either I don't get up and read it all if I don't have a plan or <laughs> I just like open my Bible and let it fall open and go like, well, I'll start here. And the Lord always shows yeah, up for me, but that's not, that's not a way yeah. to do it. That's not. <laughs> I know you're like spirit. Open to the right page. Yeah, like, Wait, what? What that's right. Song of Solomon. Why that's right. Song of Solomon. That's a, no. Yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I actually, it's been really fun, Paula. This year, every month, I've been reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every month. So I'm on my seventh read of the exact four same books. It has just been incredible. I mean, I said it to some friends yesterday of like, this is proof that the Bible is not like any other book. Because yeah, I've read the so same good. thing seven times, and I've yes. learned something new every time. It's so good. It's so, and that's and that's the beauty of God, the way that He speaks to us. So often we're like, God, I want you to show up in you know parting the clouds in a deep baritone voice with the angels singing. God doesn't always speak like that. Like God speaks so often to me through songs, like a song that I heard on the radio that I've like you. I've either read that scripture or yeah. I've heard it a thousand times, but God's speaking uniquely directly to me, directly to you in that song, yeah. in that moment, yeah. directly to you through a book, through a podcast, through a scripture, through a sermon. Sometimes it's something that you've heard or read a thousand times. God speaks to you through trusted people in your life, like just that core, that small group that you have that has seen the warts and yeah. the rust and the scars yeah. and knows the good, bad and the ugly. And that's the thing, like, it's tricky to figure out like, okay, God, is it you that's speaking to me? Or is this like, you know, is this my wish list? Is this just, right. you know, something else? So, but being able, like you said, to, to, to decipher it, that it's God's like speaking to you in that moment through something that you read a thousand times, but for whatever reason, it's meeting you where you're at. 
Yes. And it's encouraging you in that moment. That's God. Yeah, that's right. And listening to him and hearing his voice is one of our favorite things to talk about here. Mm. And so you're, oh. you're helping us. But man, having scripture as the basis of that so that you almost are able to go, okay, this does sound like God because I just read something today or I recognize yep. that. I mean, I laugh all the time. I'm like, how do people study the Bible before Google? Because I Google stuff <laughs> almost every day that I'm reading. <laughs> It's so good. Well, we had to go to the library. And That's right. The, the Dewey Decimal System that yes. I could never figure out. Yeah. I, Everybody I, had I, their I, own sets of encyclopedias in their home and oh commentaries for the Bible. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Thank yes, God for I Google. Know. Makes me a better Christian. Okay. So last Wednesday, I had dinner. Once a month, I eat dinner with Rachel and Winston Cruz. We call Love it them. Wind Down Winston Wednesdays. And <gasps> so it is, good. they're like my family. I mean, Rachel's truly one of my very best friends. And last Wednesday, she's like, I hear you're talking to Paula. And I was like, yes, we finally, our schedules finally worked. It's happening. And I have loved how many of my close friends, they don't just like you. They like respect you and they love talking to you. A lot of our friends listening want to be better friends and have better friends. Like it's something we're all looking for. What's your trick? What's the thing? How do you have people across? I mean, I even looked through the list of people who endorsed your book and I'm like, Yep, I know them, I know them, I know them. And they live in a billion different states and they live all over the world. And yet they all, they aren't just talking about your work, they're talking about you. What's, what is it? What's the thing that helps you to be such a good friend to people? Well, I just think um, being authentic and being vulnerable um, is for me, like I like to hang out Mm. with people where they're real. Yeah, I want it like, and I want to be real around you. I also want to go to bat for my friends. I think that might be my Enneagram eight yeah, challenge yeah. coming in where I like to champion people and challenge people. But I also just think like we're supposed to be light in yeah. dark places. Yeah. And if people can't see the love of Jesus and if they don't feel the love of Jesus, mm. they're not going to want anything to do with me. I want them to come to me. Um, and, and I want to create an environment where, there's no judgment. We can talk about things, okay? Um, we can challenge one another. We can correct one another. We can be real with one another. Yeah. We can tell each other like the the worst things and still about what about ourselves and still love one another. So I think just it's that mix of of vulnerability, authenticity, and Jesus. Just mm. being just loving people like Jesus did, yeah. and standing for people in the gaps. Um, but how do you, I mean, with being, with having such a public life, how do you know who you can trust? That's tough. I've been burned a thousand times. I was about I to mean, ask you, told. surely, surely there are days uh, that you've regretted. <laughs> oh, I've, I had an executive tell me one time I'm too trusting, but I said, you know what? I'd rather be too trusting mm. than have my guard up all the time. I'd rather like live my life out loud and live my face out loud and love people um, with no expectation for anything in return. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I feel like that's the type of, I don't I want to live my life with, with walls up. Yeah. I just don't, I don't yeah. think that's the type of life that we're called to live as Christians. Um, and it's certainly not the type of life. I don't want to be wary and, um, and think the worst in people. I want to see the best in them. I want to yeah. see them um, like Jesus sees them. And that's not always easy. Trust me. It's not always easy. Like I have, I have a lot of stories that I cannot share. Yeah, right yeah, now, of obviously. course, of course. And and I've had my moments. Of course, my mother is like the sweetest Christian woman. She's like, "Honey, you need to pray for your enemies." And I said, "Can I pray that they die?" Because like <laughs> I just right. don't. I, she said, "No." Oh, um, okay, fine. No, I 
I, there, there are people that have I've really struggled with. Yeah. And, um, but I will say taking my mom's approach, when you actually pray for your enemies, it is one of the most difficult things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of the most freeing things you can do because yeah. it's no longer this shackle and this burden that's weighing you down of unforgiveness. You've heard that quote, unforgiveness is allowing somebody to live rent free in your brain. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I don't want to live. If I, this is who I am. Okay. And if I get burned every now and then, so be it. Yeah. You know, nobody's perfect and this life isn't perfect. So, yeah, I, I just have to think there's got to be, while a lot of us don't have as a public a life as you did, most of the people in the world don't. And as you do, um, there's got to be like a pastor or a pastor's wife or a pastor's husband yep. or someone yes. listening who has been burned and they are a public person and they've been mm-hmm. burned privately. And it is, it's happened to me too. And it is brutal because you can't say, you can't defend yourself publicly. <laughs> You just, mm-hmm. you just get burned and you have to choose. You just have to choose to love again. You do. And, and also like, you know, vengeance is mine. Say it, the Lord God, like, yeah. God's going to work it all out. When we try to put, take it into our own hands so often, it might feel good in the moment, but we end up creating more wounds and more heartache. Yes. That's all we do. Yes. Just like God. I mean, God's big enough. I mean, he's the God of big, the of the big and God of the small. Yeah. And if it's important to you, um, it's important to God. And just, you have to just trust that God's, God's going to work it out, even though like I am such a doer and like my husband tells me to back off all the time. Cause he's like, you just need to chill out and slow down. Like you don't have to take everything into your hands. Hmm. Like, so just stepping back from the situation, just saying, okay, God, I got I, you know, this is, this is your, you gotta, you gotta work this out yeah. and whether or not working that out, it might just be God working on your heart. Yeah. And trying to yeah. like, remove that bitterness yeah. and anger that, right. that might be like really, really starting to take root. Yeah, you're right. Here, so here's my hope is that next time we have a wind down Winston Wednesday with the cruises, you should just drive over. I'm totally driving. It's five hours. I'm yeah. five hours away from you. Yeah. Like, do you understand? I can get a big gulp and be. And that's by right. the time I'm done with my big gulp and my Twizzlers and my Funyuns, because that's like the go-to on the road. Here. I can be there. Okay. I can be at the house. I'm not kidding you. We're having you. You got to come with us. It is. They, I will. Okay, good. We're going to do it. Do you want me to bring my family? I mean, I think they're kind of cool. Or is it just the girls? <laughs> I know. You said it's going to be it's couples, either way. But... It's yeah. It's usually just, I mean, the kids start out with us, but then they go to bed. But we can we okay. can party hard. Okay. We should just get we'll just get on a group text with Rach and we'll just figure it out. Yes. Yeah, we'll I just work it out. So um, I, what I would love for us to so do next, we're going to hop over to YouTube and talk a little bit as we've been doing with all the Enia Summer 2020 shows. I'd oh, love for yeah. us to talk just a little bit about the election <laughs> and about um, yes. how we can prepare best for that. I don't I am never going to be the person who tells people how to vote. I don't think we'll see. But I don't think. <laughs> but I do want to yeah. tell people to vote. It's just so important. I mean, tell, let's talk about that for just a second. It's 2020. So that means 100 years ago yeah. is the first time women can vote. What does that mean to you? Um, it means that we've made a lot of progress, but we still have a ways to go. Mm. You know, I, I like to say I'm the brand of feminist that doesn't want to emasculate men along the way. I think yep. we need to do this together. We need to, it can't just be women in, you know, locking arms with one another. It needs to be yeah. men in lockstep. Um, we need to bring everybody else along the journey, uh, with us. You know, for me, I'll be honest, as long as I'm in the news media, I have recused myself from voting. And I know that that might be controversial to some, but I have, I feel like my obligation to viewers to, 
to convey my objectivity um, to reinforce that is more it's a sacrifice for me to not vote, but I feel like I owe it to the viewer for them to trust me. They don't know yeah. who I'm voting for. And I just think members of the media, like if you know that they voted, then you know that there's some sort of inherent bias. So for me, as long as I'm a member of the active news media, I will forego and sacrifice yeah. my right to vote. Cause I think that I, my responsibility at the end of the day is to the viewers to show them that I am objective or else I'm trying to be objective. We all have inherent bias. We all do. Sure. All yeah. Of us. So yeah. I, I do think it's so important to vote. And I also think it's important to respect people. Listen, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and I live in a very liberal area. So I'm able to kind of see both sides. And yeah. I think the best thing for me that came out of the view um, people are like, how can you work with Whoopi or how could you work with Joy Behar? And I'm like, the the greatest gift for me um, working at The View was, and God really had to work on my heart, was the ability to see people and not policy. I don't uh, look at yeah. Joy. I don't look at Whoopi. I don't look at Sonny Hostin. I don't look at Megan McCain and think Democrat, conservative, progressive. I think you are made in the image of God. Yeah. You are fearfully and wonderfully made you were knit together in your mother's womb to be able to see people as people instead of people as policy. So I think, yes, you can be confident in your beliefs and you can be unabashed, but you can also see people for people and respect Mm. their differences. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just because you vote a certain way does not make you a bad person. It's about disagreeing without being disagreeable and still being able to see the humanity in that person. People vote for different reasons. Yep. Okay. And you just need to respect that, however they vote. So I just say, yes, it's important to vote, but it's more important to be respectful of that's your neighbor's beautiful. vote. beautiful. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover, Paula? I just want to make sure I know the menu. If I'm going to drive up to Nashville, <laughs> okay, I need to know what we're start- can we Can we do like a, um, can we do like a queso theme uh-huh. night where we uh-huh. have, I love fajitas. Um, we can do queso, salsa, some, maybe oh, some cilantro rice. Yes, yes. Is that, is that your jam? Some oh, margaritas? listen, sister, we do we do Mexican a lot, so that is a very <laughs> easy request. So we can absolutely make that happen. We do Taco Tuesday, and my kids are like, "It's Thursday, and we're having tacos." Today. I'm like, "Taco <laughs> Tuesday on Thursday, and now it's Taco Tuesday on Saturday." That's right. That's tacos how it works. So easy to make. Paula, oh, that's okay. perfect. Um, okay, so the last question we always ask is because the yes. show is called that sounds fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Oh my gosh. What do I do for fun? I try to get away from my children and go uh, house shopping to TJ Maxx or Marshall's. And You're a Maxinista. And therapy for me is a good home goods or Marshall's yeah. or TJ Maxx run. Yeah. I love my kids, but like that, that for me is just, it's therapy. Yes. It, I don't even need to buy anything, but I like shopping honestly gives me anxiety, clothes shopping. Yes. I like shopping for the home. Just not that I know how to design my home. I just, I, I love just getting out there and touching things. So yes, I know it's kind of too. basic, but that's, that's fun for me. That's a very good answer. Um, thanks so much for doing this today, Paula. We're so oh, grateful. I have loved it. Me too. I have loved it. And look for me in about five hours. I'll okay. Friends, I told you, isn't she awesome? Aren't you glad we're friends with her now? Oh my gosh. 
I absolutely love her. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of Called Out. I think you will really enjoy it. It's a beautiful read and such interesting stories. I think you'll really like it. Paula, thank you for being on the show. You guys, make sure you follow Paula if you aren't already all over the place. Tell her thanks for being on the show, how much this conversation really mattered to you because it mattered to me too. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my office, my house, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. But we are back with you tomorrow with our Enneagram 3s as Ennea Summer 2020 continues. So go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I'll do the same. And I will see you tomorrow.